Welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and you can find me at rickthomas.net. Today, I want to talk about white privilege. More than likely, you have heard that term, and what it means is that white people have more privileges than other people, particularly in America, but I'm sure many people feel that way in other parts of the world, and it is true. There is no question about it. White people in America have had way more privileges for a long time, more than what we like to say people of color. I don't particularly care uh, for that term because the truth is there are no white people or black people. We're all people of color. We just have different shades of color. We're all the same. We all came from one person. I come from a Christocentric, bibliocentric worldview. Therefore, I believe that God created man and woman, and from Adam and Eve, all people came. Therefore, all people are the same. We are made in the image of God. But we are different. We're different intellectually. We're different athletically. (laughs) And I'm definitely on the low end of the strata when it comes to athletics. Uh, We're different, of course, in our color. And we're different in how we think. We're different from uh, or how we were reared in different families, cultures, communities. And so we are different externally. But our foundation, the foundational core element that makes us all the same, which should motivate us to be civil toward each other and to love each other, regardless of what these differences may be, is that we were made in the image of God. Therefore, there have been historically uh, white people who have uh, have been given better Uh, options. They have been given better choices. They have taken those as well. And of course, we have the slavery issue here in America that no longer exists, as many people, I think, realize that we are in a much better place than we have ever been before. But unfortunately, due to the social media age, Uh, There is a lot of noise in cyberspace. Ironically, the noise is not as loud in the real world, on the ground level, as I interact with all kinds of people as we travel around America. I find that people are quite civil and they're willing to talk about differences. But in cyberspace, it's another story. And there are two competing groups and we have our language that we use and we throw out there and it becomes unfortunate because here's the problem is that uh, we tend to put everybody uh, according to whatever the uh, particular difference is white or black or gay or conservative or right or left we tend to put everybody within that group we categorize them as the same and that's the point of this podcast everybody within one group is not the same not identical to every other person within that group therefore this idea of white privilege though it is real Uh, Again, as I said, that's not arguable, but what we tend to do is that we categorize every white 
person as being a person of white privilege, which is why I titled this podcast, Let Me Tell You, about my white privilege. This is autobiographical. This is unique to me. I want to tell you briefly a bit of my story, and my point here is that I've had virtually no white privilege. Individuals within every group are guilty of making every person within a specific demographic or category the same. As I said, all whites are the same, according to this view. All blacks are the same, according to this view. All right is alt-right, and all left is alt-left. It's just not true. It's not true. Every person on the right side of the spectrum is not alt-right. In fact, alt-right hardly exists. It's real, but it hardly exists. Everybody on the left side of the spectrum is not alt-left. Whatever you think a gay person is, every gay person is not that way. Whatever you think a black person is, every black person is not that way, regardless of what you think. There are differences within each demographic. I have benefited greatly over the past few months from a lot of left-thinking people, individuals, uh, like Dave Rubin, for example, who would be on the left but yet is gay, Larry Elder, uh, Jordan Peterson, whom I think most of you have heard of, who is not a believer, but yet he has conservative thoughts. And so I can benefit from other people who are not like me. I don't cate- categorically dismiss people because they are not of my group, and I don't label everybody within that group as being the same. Everybody's not a radical. I have quite a few gay friends, and I enjoy being with them because they're civil. We can converse. They know my belief on the gay issue, and I understand theirs, but yet I have a good relation with with the relationship with them, and I have uh, many black friends also that uh, we differ on different issues, but yet I enjoy being with them. And then there are others who are just like me, and there's virtually no difference in them between me and them other than skin color. But then again, I do not see skin color as a dividing point. I do not see skin color as the main thing. It is a thing, but it's not the main thing. The main thing to me is that we are born, made, created in the image of God. And so there are some black people that I would associate with before I would associate with some white folk and vice versa. And there are some folks on the left that I do like listening to, as I said, while there are some folks in the right camp that, quite honestly, they embarrass me and I wish they wouldn't speak I wish they wouldn't talk so much because they are an embarrassment. When we clump every person within a demographic as the same, those who are not like that are just as insulted. I'm I'm insulted when people talk about white privilege when they talk about it in a broad brush absolute sense. I don't throw out white privilege as though it doesn't exist, but I also don't go to the other extreme and say that every white person is that way. 
And the problem is that when you categorize every group as being the same and there are no distinctions within the individuals inside that group, it tempts them to fire back with an unsavory insult. Now, that's not, <clears throat> that's not the right response, and I do not condone that. And so I know that there is white privilege. I have seen it. I'm not ignorant to it, but I also know that there is black privilege too. But either way, it does not mean there is equity between all whites and all blacks. It, it is wrong to deny our privileges, and it's wrong to label everyone within a category as the same. What I mean by denying our privileges, deny that it exists. It's wrong to deny that privileges exist in both camps. But it's also wrong to label every category as the same. What I want to do is I want to share with you my personal experience about white privilege. Just 20 autobiographical bullet points. If you want to read this article, you're welcome to do that. You can go, you can go to our website, rickthomas.net. The title of it is, Let Me Tell You About My White Privilege. And with that long introduction... And again, the bottom line, and I feel like I do have to be redundant here because there's a lot of people who listen emotionally and not cerebrally. They listen emotionally, not intelligently, not with a sober mind, and they begin mapping their experience over what's being said or written here. They begin infusing their experience into this and not even hearing what I'm saying. And so at the risk of being redundant, which I am, I do not deny white privilege at all. I do not deny black privilege, even though it's not to the amount of white what white privilege has been historically. But here's my point. Every white person you know has not experienced what you call white privilege, and I'm one of those people. Let me share with you a little bit of my autobiography. My father was a violent, racist, drunk abuser who died at 42 years old. In an ironic way, you could say that he encouraged me not to be a racist because he was such a violent and hateful man that I did not want to be like him. And the things that he despised were the things that I kind of reacted to and were drawn to. And one people group that he despised was black people, which to me was a motivation to associate with black people, which I did as a youth. Those were the primary people that I interacted with as a, as a youth, but that was not who my father was. He was a violent man, violent as in physically abusive. He beat us. He was verbally abuse, abusive. Let's just say I learned virtually every curse word in the book before my sixth birthday. Uh, he was a chain smoker, and I don't know a time when he was really sober. He he was a, a chain drinker as well, and he died when I was 19 years old. He was 42 years old. That's how I was raised. My mother slept around with more men than I know. I remember her taking us to out-of-the-way places, and we played in the yard while what she told us, she met uh, she would meet with this guy. They were talking over things as a five-year-old boy, six-year-old boy, four-year-old boy, not knowing any different. I thought she was inside the old house talking over things with the man. As I learned later, she was sleeping around, and she slept around with many men. So my father was a violent person, and my mother slept around. My dad spent all the money that he made 
when he was working, when he held down a job on alcohol. My parents bought the groceries, the food that we ate, with government assistance. Food stamps is what we called it back then. The only way that we had food was because of food stamps, because when my father could hold down a job and make a little bit of money, he spent it on alcohol. My parents left us five boys to rear ourselves. We raised ourselves, literally. We were not parented. We figured things out. And, of course, that led to all kinds of consequences, none of which were good. We had no moral compass. We began fighting and stealing and doing drugs all before we were 10 years of age. All of us were heavy into narcotics. All of us were heavy into theft, into stealing things from various stores. We were so bad and and so lost in our immorality and the heinousness of our lives that even the good white folk had nothing to do with us other than making sure that they kept themselves from us. I started working as a busboy when I was 12 years old, making a dollar twelve and a half cents per hour. I have been working since that time, nearly 50 years as of this podcast. I've never known not working. It has been the thing that I've done my entire life, with the exception of the first uh, 12 years of my life. I started as a 12-year-old boy. When I wasn't bussing tables, I hauled hay during the summer which meant running alongside a trailer out in a hay field in 95-degree-plus heat, grabbing bales from the field and throwing them on a trailer and then taking them to a barn and, and stacking them in a barn. The reason that I did these things, one, because I could. I have the, had the physical ability to do it. But two, I knew intuitively that if I was going to have any money, I either had to steal the money or I had to work for it. So I did both. By the time I was 15 years old, I left home for good. I moved in with my grandmother at that time, and I never went back home. At 16, when I was legal age to get a job, I got a job at a at a hamburger joint, and that was the beginning of my legal career. Uh, many of my teachers, black and white, labeled me as incorrigible. Rather than helping me, they profiled me. They profiled me primarily because of three brothers who went before me. And so by the time they got to me, they knew what I was going to be like. And no teacher reached out to help. Uh, they put me in the clump of, of being like those who had gone before me. My three brothers who had gone before me, my seventh grade teacher said that I had the grades to get into honor society, which honor society, I don't know what they have now, but basically it was where the smart people went. But because of my behavior, they would not let me join. My high school principal said, here's a quote, you're a Thomas, that's all you will ever be. You will never amount to anything. You're nothing but trash. That's how we were profiled, and that's how we were treated. Now, granted, we brought that on ourselves because of our behavior. But I'll tell you this, as a kid who was lost and screwed up so badly as I was, that's not the kind of person that I wanted to be. I wanted a break. I would love to have had some of that white privilege, somebody to reach out a hand and, and help me along, but that's just not how it was. My high school career teacher said that, uh, since uh, my trial interview, I had an interview. We, we had an interview contest so that we could go to state uh, and 
and, and do this interview at state and win awards and so forth. And so when I did my interview among my classmates, my teachers said that my interview was the same as a black student, and so they were going to give it to the black student because she was black, and so she was the one that got to go to state. I couldn't get it uh, because I was white. The police arrested me when I was 15 years old for breaking and entering. I spent five days in jail, and I was on two years probation. My first three brothers never graduated high school. The first two went to prison. Uh, before it was time for them to graduate, and the third one joined the military, which probably kept him from going to prison. After someone murdered my first brother, the law enforcement community did nothing, though they knew who killed him. They said it was one less criminal on the streets for them to deal with, so they just let it go. After someone murdered my second brother, they let the murderer off with community service. They got a couple hundred hours, maybe a little more than that, of community service, and that was the end of that. Without a moral compass, I married at 19 years of age, which was a huge mistake, but it seemed like the thing to do at the time because my life was going nowhere. I went through a horrible divorce at 28 where I lost my wife and my two children. You can read this entire list if you want to. Again, it's on the website. The title of it is Let Me Tell You About My white privilege. I suspect if someone told you that I was black before you read the first this list that I gave you here, afterward you would say, yeah, that's about right. I can see all that happening to him, but here's the thing. I'm not black. I'm a middle-aged, pasty white male from the southern part of the United States, and I, my point here is that I, I don't want you to categorize and I don't want myself to categorize you if I see you as a black person or a gay person or a left person or whatever kind of person you want to be, that I don't categorize you as being the same in the most negative light that we put that particular demographic. Now let me give you five other points that happen all after, after I got out and things begin to turn turn around, and by the way, they began to turn around when God regenerated me. I became a Christian when I was 25 years of age, and when God regenerated me the first quarter century, after the first quarter century of living, all those things that I've just shared with you, and there are plenty more things, uh, horrendous things that happen uh, during that time. But I, I worked full-time, 45 hours a week, and went to college full-time. I moved to Greenville, uh, South Carolina, got a full-time job, worked 45 hours a week, and then I took on a full load and went to college full-time, 25 years old. I graduated at 29 with a theology degree. I went back another year because I could and graduated with an education degree. I got a BA in theology and a BS, a BS in uh, education. At 40, I received my master's in counseling at 49 years of age. Ten years ago, as of this podcast, I started this business-slash-ministry, and that's what I do today. Now, there are many more things that I could add to the list. Uh, I've, I've seen a lot of horrendous things in my life, and I've participated in many of them. But there has never been any privilege, white or otherwise, sent my way. 
by the grace of God and a lot of hard work, I am what I am. Now, here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to read this as me being mad. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all. I'm actually grateful. If you knew me, you would uh, perceive that, as I've told my wife many times, what I want you to put on my uh, gravestone is that the boy died happy. I have, I've, I've, died, I, I've lived a wonderful life. God has flipped the narrative in my life and all those horrendous things that happened to me. Uh, he has uh, changed. And the truth is I use those things, all those bad things, for his glory, and, and it has benefited us as a family. I make a living, ironically, because all those things did happen. This ministry slash business that I have is founded on, or one of the core pillars of, of this ministry I have is on the hardships, like the list that I shared with you earlier. And so I, I am not mad uh, at all. These are the things that have happened. I'm not trying to manipulate uh, any pity out of you. But my point is that every black person is not like you think. I know a lot of white people who are racist. They're just flat-out racist. Even if they say they're not, they are. I remember talking to a man one time who, uh, who just cringed at the thought of his daughter ever marrying a, a black person. It, it wouldn't matter to him as much if his daughter married any other person, Asian, Native American, uh, but his daughter, from his view, would never marry a black person. That was the most important thing to him. He's just a flat-out racist, even though he claims to be a Christian, and I have no doubt that he is a Christian. He probably is, but he has this category for black people, and all of them fit within that category, and it's unfortunate because, as I said earlier, I've interacted with a ton of black people in my time, and I have friends uh, that I love dearly who happen to have darker skin color than I do, and they're not like the category that this man has, and that's my point. Every black person is not like you think. Every gay person is not an angry radical. And you can interact with gay people. I have an article on my website titled uh, When I Dated a Lesbian or something like that uh, where I went out with a lesbian girl on multiple occasions and we had wonderful conversations. She knew what I believed about lesbianism, but we could interact with each other. Every gay person is not an angry radical. Every lib liberal does not throw civility to the wind. As I mentioned earlier, I do listen to Dave Rubin, uh, Jordan Peterson, who would not be so much a, a, a liberal, Eric Weinstein, and there's many others that do not believe as I believe, but they are willing to engage in conversation about their beliefs, and I think that is really good. If we are only speaking into the echo chamber of our own world, there's no challenge, there's no redemptive growth, we're not going to be able to persuade anybody, and we're not really going to hone our own beliefs. If you're going to interact with someone who believes differently from you, it's going to shape you as far as your beliefs, but if you spend all your time preaching to the choir and hanging out with the choir, 
That's as non-evangelistic and non-great commission as you can possibly be. You need to be interacting with the world and engaging the world. You can't live in the echo chamber and bury your heads in the sand. But if you think everybody is a horrific person because they do not believe the way you believe, you're making the same mistake that many people on the other side of the fence are, are making. And there are a lot of us white boys who don't know nothing about privilege, white or any other kind. And so before you succumb to the temptation of ranting about a people group, slow down a bit and pace yourself. Don't speak in absolutes. Don't make blanket statements. And by all means, don't think that because they are yelling the loudest that they represent everyone in the group. And that's one of the great curses about social media. There can be such a small percentage of people who are making so much noise that you could think that everybody who believes some version of what they believe is just as radical and, and just as angry as they are, and it's simply not true. Again, as we travel around the country, which we have, uh, we've been in virtually every state in America and a few foreign countries, and we've interacted. I mean, it's one of the things we do. We don't go, I don't go primarily to go sightseeing. I go so I can interact with people, and I find as I interact with these people that they are quite civil, and I'm talking about people who don't believe the way I believe, and they're willing to engage, but unfortunately, some of the loudest people because of social media they make the most noise, and we, we tend to stereotype everybody as being like them. There are folks in their tribe, <laughs> interestingly enough, who wish that those people like them didn't talk so loud. And I know there are people in our tribe that may believe somewhat like what I believe. I wish they didn't talk so much either because they're so angry at the other side and they can't talk intelligently or in sober-mindedness or with civility, which is the new buzzword today. And just because someone is not like you, it doesn't mean that they are like them either. And just because there is a truth to white privilege, it doesn't mean that every white person you know has experienced that privilege the way that you think they have, and I'm one of those individuals James gives us wonderful advice in James chapter 1 where he said, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so before you speak, be quick to hear. Understand your culture before you speak into it. Make sure you understand the person that you're talking to before you jack them up or before you say some uns make some unsavory comment. This is the heart of counseling as well. You want to understand the other person before you make assumptions, and especially in the culture in which we live in. I, my appeal here, and this is my primary appeal, is that you don't stripe everybody as being the same on the other side of the fence because it's simply not true. 
The title of this podcast is Let Me Tell You About My White Privilege. If you would love to interact with me, I would love to interact with you. We have a way of doing that. You can go on our website, rickthomas.net. We have free forums where anybody in the world who has access to the Internet can get on those forums, and you can ask your question. Now, I don't interact with people on Facebook, and one of the reasons that I do it, there's several reasons, but one of the reasons that I do it, don't do it, is because there can be a lack of civility in the interactions on Facebook. And so what I say is that we never turn anyone away. We will never turn anyone away. You can, by the grace of God, I say that. You can talk to us, but you have to talk on our platform. You come to our website. We will give you a free username. We'll give you a free password, and you can get on our forum, and you can engage us. But our website is a civil website. We talk, hopefully, intelligently. We definitely uh, talk with grace and humility and kindness toward those who want to engage us. Unfortunately, sometimes, many times, and you probably have seen this more than likely when you engage on these social media platforms, it can go to bad places quickly. Well, it doesn't do that on our website. And so we funnel everybody to our website, and we do not interact on social media platforms. That's one of the reasons. There's other reasons as well, but that's the important one for the context of this podcast. So if you want to talk, I I hope you have a different opinion. I hope you have a different experience, and I hope that you would want to interact. Iron sharpens iron, and we can learn from each other, and it's our differences coming together uh, in a spirit of love and kindness where we can grow and mature as a people. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it was helpful in some small way, and I hope you have a blessed day. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.